Welcome to the first episode of Dear Black Man, You Good? The podcast. A space where black men can connect, talk a little shit, and heal. A podcast for us, by us. In this first episode, group creator and facilitator Marvin Tolliver, LCSW, talks about why he created the group. We develop some group agreements, and we start to get into some dope conversation. Please remember that this is a therapeutic support group, not group therapy. Now, although we'll be speaking on topics around mental health, this podcast is not a replacement for therapy. So pull up and tune in from wherever you are and enjoy this dope black space. All right, y'all. Thank you all so, so, so much for being here. Um, Welcome to your first group session. Um, This is a different group of its kind. And so first, I just want to thank you all for joining. Thank you all for being vulnerable, for deciding to join this group Um, for Black men. It is going to be super dope. Um, As y'all know, some of y'all know, my name is Marvin, Marvin Tolliver. Um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker here in Philadelphia and just excited to be doing this group. I created this group. I facilitated 10-week groups before, and I'm excited for a group of this kind as well. And so the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to check in. And so how the check-in works is that you're going to say your name, you're going to say your location, your pronouns, and how you're feeling today. And so something with feelings is that we are very comfortable if when someone asks us how we're feeling, say I'm good, or I'm cool, or I'm chilling, I'm I. None of those are feelings. And so if you need some reference, you can go to feelingswheel.com. There is a wheel with a lovely array of emotions and colors and all of those things. And I really want you to try and choose the feeling or feelings that resonate with you. Um, You could be feeling multiple feelings, right? And you can also be feeling conflicting feelings. So you can be happy or excited about something, but then also frustrated or sad about something else. All right. So name location, pronouns, and feeling. I will actually go first just to kind of show you, model how it's done. So my name is Marvin. My location is uh, West Philly. My pronouns are he and they today. And I am feeling, I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling excited to share space with y'all. And I'm also feeling uh, a little bit nervous, a little bit nervous. Cool. Who wants to take it? Hey, what's up? I'm uh, Eric from Philadelphia. Pronouns he, him. Right now, I'm feeling excited to be here with all of these lovely people. And uh, yeah, let's let's get this going. Oh, thank you. I'll chime in. Joshua, uh, he, him pronouns. I'm hailing in from Philadelphia, West Side. Uh, how am I feeling today? I'm feeling powerful i'm feeling energetic and i'm feeling a little uh a little anxious in both ways you know good anxious and nervous anxious so thank you i'll jump right in uh khalif troy he him pronouns coming out of west philadelphia we all know it's the best philadelphia uh and i'm feeling excited Absolutely excited to be in space with y'all. Excited to get this started in this kind of way, this podcast, this group. And I'm also very tired. I had a long day and I had like a whole brain dump of some kind right before we started. So excited to pick the energy back up. 
Hi, I'm Ryan. Um, I'm actually on the other side of state in Pittsburgh. My pronouns are he, him, his. How am I feeling? Um, I'm feeling fantastic. I'm still coming off a high of being at a legal tech conference in the D.C. area this week. Um, met so many amazing people, networked my ass off, have connections. Um, D.C. has now become on my list of places to move back to or move to next year. It's on the list. Like D.C. is a D.C. was great for me. Um, did all the things in a day and a half. And I'm going to let y'all, I'm going to leave that air. So what those, some of those things were, um, it was great. And also just looking forward to next week. Cause I have like multiple interviews coming up and I'm just, I feel like it's, I feel like there's something coming and it's sooner rather than later. So I'm in a great mood this week. Cool. Oh. I guess this is my go. I'm Darren Hamilton from Washington, DC pronouns, he, him. Uh, today was productive. I feel productive, but I also feel, I guess, like a, a little like stunned and shocked. And I recently, I found out today one of my friends died. Just for so, <laughs> so with that, I think it's kind of like the way that death is now like shared in like today's, I guess, environment. And like a lot of times, we share death through like social media like Instagram so it's kind of almost like it just gets thrown in your face in a way so I don't know I, we got some still processing it do you um, first of all I'm, I'm sorry for your loss um, do you want any space for that um, no it's fine we can yeah, we can start the group cool um, thank y'all so much for sharing um, so we're going to start every single group session that way. I'm going to ask folks how they're feeling, um, pronouns, all of those things, because it's important. I want to make sure that we know how we're doing in the space and that we hold space for if, if anyone needs any space help for them. OK, um, so a little bit about uh, me and my background. So I'm uh, born and raised in Oakland, California, um, went to San Diego State for my undergrad with a major in communication and a minor in sociology. I did two years with an AmeriCorps program called City Years. So I lived in Miami, Miami, Florida for two years, um, worked with Treasure Island Job Corps back in California, got my master's in social work from Boston College and um, moved to Philadelphia very soon after. I've had a couple of jobs after that. So I worked with an organization that worked with victims of violence. So folks that had been shot, stabbed and assaulted. So did individual therapy, group therapy, and help them navigate various systems. Um, I also worked for the school district of Philadelphia, so a K-8 in North Philly. Um, working more with kids, parents and caregivers, staff, and just the animal of the school district. So now I'm at the Radical Therapy Center in West Philly, where we prioritize folks with marginalized identity. So people of color, queer folks, immigrants, um, anyone that has a marginalized identity, we say that we created that space for folks like us. This group was originally supposed to be uh, in person right before the pandemic. And then the day after, everything shut down. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> um, and it took me a while. And my previous uh, supervisor and now colleague, um, Kalida, said, just do it on Zoom. And I was like, I don't want to do it on Zoom. Just do it on Zoom. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. And so, did it on Zoom and I created this 10 week group. Um, something that I noticed, as I mentioned that I've lived in a bunch of different cities, is that us as Black 
men and black males, we go through a lot of the same things. And so regardless of location, regardless of class, regardless of identity, um, regardless of age, a lot of the same things and issues came up and I kept seeing them. And so I have the idea to think about kind of the, the major themes and major themes that, that I've seen that me, my, that me myself have dealt with as well. And let's just talk about it. And so this is that space. This is a space where um, your, the group is led by a Black man. And we're talking about Black men's issues. And we do not have many spaces like that. Um, another part of the reason that I created this specific group is because I have been in other men's groups, but it, they rarely, very rarely um, spoke about queer men's issues. It was very much centered on the experiences of cisgender heterosexual men. And so I felt like part of me was connected, but there was a whole nother part of me that I couldn't bring into the space. And I really want all Black men. And when I say all Black men, I mean all Black men to have a space where we can be vulnerable, we can feel safe, we can feel comfortable, we can show up as our authentic selves. Um, and so that's why I created this space. And again, I'm, I'm really grateful that you all decided to, um, to join and let's, let's have some dope conversation. So something I do before we get into it is that I want to come up with group agreements with y'all. And so group agreements are necessary because um, we don't want to just be all willy nilly in the space. <laughs> we want to make sure that we are um, abiding by some guidelines and making sure that we are all on the same page around what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Um, so some things in the past have been be respectful, you know, th those kind of things. And so, um, yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about what agreements feel good for this space for y'all. I guess I'll say uh, one boundary that comes off the top of my head. Uh, I try to think I'm, I'm trying to think of one that's not stereotypical. Um, like you said, you know, like be open minded or respectful or something like that. Um, and I have this one written down, actually, uh, used recently. I was going to say uh, this this space is a resource for your success, not your downfall. So. Mm. Yeah, and I feel like it's definitely loaded, but I like the fact that it's loaded because it makes you, you know, think about it a little bit. Um, I don't know if I need to elaborate. Y'all let me know, but that's I, I would like you to elaborate because there's kind of a, it's kind of a, a, a it's a beautiful statement. But as far as the group, how does that, sh uh, you know, kind of uh, teach us how to show up? Got you. Um, so when I say this space is a resource for your success. We're all here for a collective reason, no matter what walk of life you come from, what type of culture, like you said, a social class you come from. We're all coming here to build community, to connect, to 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 shoot the shit, to just be black men amongst each other, no matter what. So if we're coming here to be progressive or, you know, coming here to just set a, uh, set a good example, like to be productive uh, all out, if the outcome is productivity in the end. No matter, no matter if it's quantitative or qualitative, regardless of what happens or what's discussed in this group, you do need to be open-minded. You do need to be respectful. You do need to uh, lean into maybe some pressures or lean into, you know, that, that, that uncomfortable or that unknown. 
um, challenge yourself. That's that's basically, you know, what, what I say. Challenge yourself, but respectfully challenge yourself because we all have our own internal boundaries and whatnot. Um, and, you know, we, we can gauge that, but we know why we're here. So let this place be a resource to us all and not a downfall to us. Okay, shit, episode over. I mean, <laughs> right? No, but I heard a lot of things that open-minded, heard respectful, um, lean into the discomfort, challenge yourself. Those are all great. Thanks. Who else got one? Uh, I would say honesty, be honest, uh, participate in no judgment. Don't judge people for their responses or answers. I would say uh, be mindful of what you sound like when you are in disagreement. Because tone is everything. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately too and I've been saying it in a couple of spaces but content without context can be damaging so think about what you're saying and then think about what sort of context or what sort of parameters you need to fill in so that we have a fuller picture of what it is that we're saying I like that one a lot because we don't know every, uh, everyone's personal everything that's going on in everyone's personal lives yeah. Right. Ooh, anything else? Be willing to heal. Sometimes it's not it's not as pretty as social media makes it. Oh, babe. That's, <laughs> oh, God. I just, I'm not going to, mm, yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Big facts. Mm-hmm. Okay, if I add one? Yes. Um, so I'm going to add a uh, step up and step back. And so what that essentially means is that some folks are very, very comfortable taking up a lot of space and talking a lot. And, um, you know, when you are realizing that maybe you've spoken a lot, take that step back and allow others to step up. And then just the opposite for folks that are maybe more comfortable being quiet. Um, we know that the wheels are spinning and you have something brilliant to say. And I'm going to challenge you and encourage you to, to, to step up because we, we want to hear what you have to say as well. No, no, no word okay any oh, I don't know. I'm yeah. one. uh i guess listen pay attention and also ask questions inquire inquire the yeah, inquire i like that cool so we have yeah. sorry i'm just gonna add to that i don't know if it makes it any simpler but like listen without resistance i think that explain that Yes. Uh, oftentimes when uh, people are speaking and other people are listening, we're constantly, I won't say all the time, but sometimes we're listening only to respond, only to have a reaction to it versus just listening and being able to take in the information. And when you are able to just listen and take in the information, you're not resisting anything. You're actually open, opening yourself up to something that you otherwise would have just been thinking about a reaction or response to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Cool. Okay. So we have this space is a resource for your success, not your downfall. Um, so that includes being open-minded, respectful, leaning into discomfort and challenging yourself. Have honesty. as participate. No judgment. Be mindful of what you sound like. 
um, when you're speaking, especially when there are times of uh, maybe conflict or disagreement, be willing to heal, step up, step back, listen, pay attention and ask questions, and then listen without resistance. Any others to add? Mm -hmm. No. Um, <laughs> cool. So, and, can, and can we all agree that that's what we're going to do? I agree. Yeah. I yes. agree wholeheartedly. Yes is all around. Dope. Yes. Cool. All right. So before we get into it really quickly, um, I am not here to convince you of anything. I'm not here to change your mind. I'm not here to brainwash you. I am here to challenge you. I'm here to challenge your thinking because we need to be challenged because we really need to think about the things that we continue to do, especially if it's harming ourselves or harming others. And so one thing I am going to ask you, to, everyone to do is be open-minded. Cool. Cool. All right. Question, why don't more spaces like this one exist? What do y'all think? Go ahead, Eric. Oh, it's, uh, it's hard to be open. It's hard to like speak how you feel because uh, you'll get criticized for it. You'll get teased for it. Um, but at the end of the day, how you feel isn't brand new. It's brand new to you, but there's hundreds, thousands, millions of other people probably dealing with the exact same thing that you're going through. So it's important to be able to vocalize that and it helps you to know that you're not alone. Mm. To vocalize it, to talk about it. Um, you said what you're going through is not brand new, it's new to you. Okay. Other thoughts? Why don't spaces like this even exist? Comfortability, um, just having a space to exist and be. Is that something that Black men have been afforded ever? Mm. Um, just be in a space and just, you know, know, like, just to just be, you know, like, I think for me prior to this, I mean, I've been in those spaces, but it's not been consistent. And if it was, if it wasn't a space, it was around people I knew, like just knew or had comfortability or was okay with. But to be in a space where you're seeking, I guess, you know, seeking community, seeking like comfort, you know, seeking like support, which is this, which is what this space gives. That's hard to touch or grasp if you've never understood, never even had any of those things outside of that. Like you've never been in community, if you've never had support, if you've never been seen by anyone, like how can you be in, how can we, how can the space exist for you if you don't know, never had any of that, and like even a taste of that. So I think that's why it's just being comfortable. Like you, people, we don't see spaces as much because people aren't comfortable or given the space to be comfortable, but just feeling all their feelings, being seen, and just being able to stand in their space and just be themselves. And also people, we aren't given the option to just be ourselves. And you got to think you have to tap in that, into that before you can even be in the space, even to like seek out these spaces, I think. One of the things I do before uh, having these groups is I have conversations with, with each of you. And one of the most uh, uh, popular answers of why people want to join this space is because of community because they don't have people that they can talk to and talk to openly and honestly about 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 um their feelings their emotions what they're going through and so you know hopefully this space can serve as as that 
Josh, were you going to say something? Oh, um, I was just going to briefly um, add to what Ryan said, um, because I definitely agree with what he said. Just the, uh, I think you said the comfortability of it, right, Ryan? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So definitely to 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 kind of add to that, almost like the flip side of the coin. Um, competitive division comes to mind when you ask that question um, amongst the black um, black men in like our community that isn't you know really a tight knit community. Um, and like what Ryan said, uh, I feel like it's a, a a whole bunch of influences that for me just ultimately come to like a competitive division where it's, you know, amongst the black male community, it's the us versus them. It's the, you know, trying to get up over on someone else. So it makes people uncomfortable, even though, like you said, uh, Marvin, you you bump into so many of us that are yearning for a community, but it's like we're almost untrusting of, you know, like putting ourselves out there for to accept that community because of that competitive division. My, my words, baby. Um, so competitive uh, division you mentioned, um, folks wanting that community space. I'm 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 curious too, because Ryan, you've mentioned we we've never been given a space for the opportunity to speak. But do folks think that if we were given the space, would we take it? No. Mm, no. And that's what I was gonna say. I don't think that we do we we would have been given if we were given the space. I don't think as black men. Some of most of us, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that we wouldn't take it because a part of the problem is the resistance within us. And uh, that's that's a huge part of it. Like we, we're going to have to touch on that at some point. But like the fact that this is such a open space for all black men. There's some black men who are not open to other black men and to um, points that were made before the way we are reared, the way we are brought up societally, and then sometimes through, you know, our own, you know, homes and communities, uh, we aren't given the opportunity to kind of be okay with other other Black men or Black men that are different from us. So it's it's a multitude of things, but I don't think that we would be able to handle or see the need for a space like this to be this open. I actually disagree with you guys. I think that if Black men were given spaces like this and opportunities like this, they would take it. I think a lot of times Black men are able to voice their feelings and their opinions, but I think that a lot of times when they're voiced, people don't necessarily know how to receive them and how to respond to it. So it's kind of just like... If a black man says that he's in distress, I think a lot of times people almost like gaslight him in a way where it's just like, oh, OK, well, you you're, you're strong. You'll get over it. Just move forward. And I think a lot of times that just makes it harder to even push forward and express your emotions to other people because you're almost being dismissed pretty much. But can I just jump in real quick? Yeah. Um, I totally hear that point. My 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 follow up question would be: Do we also maybe do that to ourselves? Amy, why what suffer? Oh um, no, I mean like the idea of like we could I could voice my opinion to another brother and can receive the same sort of like resistance from that brother as I would anybody else. 
I think that goes into society of how Black men are socialized. We're not socialized to actually emote and express our feelings and our emotions. So that when we do express it to other guys, other people, we just, people don't know how to receive it. And they kind of pretty much just don't, they don't listen and they don't try to be a listening ear or try to even comfort you. They kind of just dismiss it. I think that's fair. I think the answer to that would be, yeah, then. But also, too, I think that within the Black gay community, I know a lot of times there are men's groups that they have where Black gay men meet. But I think it's divided because it's only pretty much more so catered towards Black gay men and not catered towards Black men in general. So it's divided by sexuality. There's something um, I, you know, I, I run a group for an organization here um, in Philadelphia. And, you know, I asked, why don't, uh, why don't y'all open up? And the two main answers were that our feelings w- would be invalidated. So either somebody, people would say like, man up, stop being a bitch, you know, you know, kind of these these responses that um, hinder us from opening up. The other response was that we don't know what people are going to do with that information. You're opening up about something really personal, really vulnerable, and somebody else is now making fun of you. Or you open up to a therapist or a mental health professional, and now you're hospitalized because you said that maybe you have thoughts of suicide. And so... You know, all of these things, regardless of whatever the reasoning is, we're not going to open up no more because we're not met with openness. We're met with um, contention. Um, Something that I've heard a lot also is that a lot of men think that emotions or being emotional equals weakness. Where does that come from? That definitely comes first from, I think, our upbringing. That comes directly out of our homes. That is given to us by other men. That is given to us by women. That is given to us by literally anyone who is, um, I guess, in our core, whatever that means, in our family, in our home. And then you go outside of your home, it's given to us at school. It's given to us if we have activities, summer camps or what have you, it's given to us by our own peers and it's given to us by adults. Um, so, yeah, that's that's exactly where that comes from. Mm. Everybody. Does anyone remember anyone specifically, you know, saying don't cry, stop crying, don't be emotional? Anyone remember any specific times? Oh, my uncle would say it to me all the time. If I but if even if I look like I was upset about something, people say don't cry. That's you know don't do women shit. Um, but luckily enough, I had parents who would combat that and come like often. Like he would say it to me. My dad was like, "Look, I don't like that's you don't tell my son that he can do whatever he wants. And if you got a problem with it, you can talk to me." No one ever spoke to my dad because <laughs> it was always like you just if you if you bother children. If my mother didn't like step in, he was stepping in first to, to fight. So no one ever really ever came back with the, okay, I do got a problem with it. Like, it's just, 
I think I was very fortunate enough to be raised by parents who understood what I would face as a Black child and becoming a Black man and always worked hard to, at least in our house, kind of show me there was a different way to be, mm-hmm. but also be clear, like, what we do inside this house won't be won't happen outside the house. And basically it was like, eventually became, you have to make a choice. You can choose to be you and choose to, as they, as they explained to me years later, like, they were trying to teach you how to be like, to understand what like radical self-acceptance was and being vulnerable and protect that because you could be going to be in society where like people were not going to understand it will literally take that from you. Or you can choose to let people take that from you, let society just mold, mold you in a way that doesn't make sense. And you lose that of who you are. We'd rather you be this way and then make your own choice. than you go out into the world and not have an idea of who you are and this be have that choice taken from you. And so I made the choice to just no matter what always be mean. It didn't make sense at times. We're like, I'm someone if I'm if I, I'm really upset, I will cry in public and not care. Mm-hmm. And will literally dare you to do say something's wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Be like, look, if I'm half going through it, this is how I process it. If you don't like it, you can leave me the fuck alone. But I'm still going to stand at this corner. And cry until I cannot cry anymore because that means I need to process it and let it go before I can go back to do what I'm doing. You know, it's just, yeah, I think it's just, you know, you hear, it, you get it from everybody, but it starts in the home. You know, and I feel like a lot of parents aren't aware of it. Some are. And they're t- intentionally telling, kind of in a way, taking that from you. Like, just having the right to express your emotions, to be, to have feelings. Like, you know. When was that first time that that you remember or uh, different individuals telling you, don't be emotional, stop crying? Well, my grandmother called me a sissy because we didn't get to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Um, I was upset about that. I remember that. She bought, I remember those white couches. And uh, yeah, I remember that. She's from the South. She's like, oh, doggone. Why are you being a sissy? Grow up. And I'm like, it's like nine um damn nine years old yeah yeah um yeah it's not allowed to have feelings that's why everybody's so damn miserable because you you can't you just keeping that evil packed in Mm -hmm. like just just say it you think dogs are cute and you know things are nice and you can just release it out i don't this fake idea of they want you to grow up to be like a man's man uh, but like the male role models you had in the neighborhood were guys that just drank 40, as soon as they get off work, they drank two 40 ounces and they're just outside stumbling around. Like that's not idea of a man's man that I wanted to be. Um, after thinking for a while and really trying to, uh, recollect the earliest moment, like you asked, um, a random memory came up that, I had talked to somebody a while ago about, um, I'll keep it brief. It was, I think, second grade. So I don't even know what age that is. I just remember the school, like the uniform and everything in the moment. Thank you. So like seven, probably eight-ish. But yeah, second grade, I remember it was recess. And I remember just sitting and watching, you know, usually the girls do the girl stuff, the boys do the boy stuff. And, you know, a little bit of mix going on. Girls playing jump rope, boys playing football and people playing tag. And I remember I always was curious about like jumping rope 
and not actually jumping rope, but just like turning it. It just always caught an interest to me, like them doing it. And I remembered the one time I was curious and I walked up and asked them, like, how do you do it? You know, like I was asking questions about it. And I remember my friends were with me, the other boys in the class. And I remember one of them said something along the lines of, like, don't do that. Like, boys don't do that. They was just like, don't do that. That's like girl stuff. Like, not like, I just remember, like, that was one of the earliest moments when it was like, you can't do that. And then for me, I was like, I can't. I was like, why though? And, you know, I didn't put a gender on it or like a sexual orientation. I didn't, I'm second grade. So I was just like, oh, I just want to, you know, swing the ropes. It was, it was cool to me. And now, you know, nowadays, if I go to the gym, I'll use the ropes, you know, part of my workout. But um, yeah, that was the earliest moment for me that I could think of. That's interesting. You're talking about the ropes at the gym too, because you're still holding ropes. You're just doing different things with them. You know, <laughs> one is for strength and one is, you know, connected to, to double Dutch. But those uh, will evoke a lot of different emotions depending on who you are. And you, indeed, you jump rope as a boxer, though, like Floyd Mayweather right. is probably one of the best rope jumpers in the world. And like nobody's like saying what he does for girls is for you, like your endurance and stamina and footwork. It's mm-hmm. t- yeah, I don't, get it. I don't get it. And I remember I didn't do it. Like, I remember, you know, like I didn't do it. And now and as an adult looking back at it, I'm like, wow, why? Yeah, there's certain activities, uh, genres of music, uh, all these different things that are put into these categ- colors, <laughs> right? That are put into these categories of masculine and feminine for boys, for girls. Um, And a lot of the time for men, it restricts us so much from easy bake oven, you know, easy bake ovens when there are male chefs and, you know, pastry, what do they call it? Patissier. That. Um, (laughs) um, Mixologists, different things like that, right? Um, There are uh, uh, male nurses, right? There are male the nannies, hairdressers, hairdressers and hairstylists. Um, and at a young age, we're like, don't do that. Um, a lot of us, you know, have these emotions, right? Because we're human. Emotions are human. But when we think about some of the more negative emotions, a lot of the times we as black men are expected to just suffer in silence. Um, why? It's safer. At least we think, mm-hmm. you know, I, well, I mean, it, it feels that way. I, I'm a recovering sufferer and silencer and uh, I never wanted people to know how bad it was. Like if, if I'm experiencing the loss of a loved one, that's acceptable that you wouldn't necessarily suffer in silence. But if mm. I am down on my luck or I don't have the money I need to cover something as a man, I am supposed to just deal with it, figure it out, because that's what men, black men of a certain generation did. And I can remember a time where um, I had my uncle who talked about my dad and he was like, you know, I never had an issue with your dad. He was a good man. He he stayed quiet and he did his thing. And I'm sure my dad had to have gone through things. These were both former vets of two different wars. Mm. 
And I'm sure he went through things. He definitely drank. So I'm sure he was going through things, but that was the mark for strength mm-hmm. to not have to deal with it, not have to have anybody take care of you. You did it yourself. And I'm recovering from that. Yeah. Safety, safety in the silence. Daryl, what were you going to say? I think it's more so how men are socialized, even as boys. We're taught at a young age that you have to be stoic. So you have to numb numb your feelings, not express your feelings or your emotions. And then it's kind of almost like a double-edged sword because if you're numb and you're not expressing your feelings, your emotions, you don't know how to express them. You don't know how to emote. And then when you do feel, it's kind of almost like it's weird or awkward. So it's kind of almost like you don't even want to feel your emotions. So it's kind of like you're almost like taught to avoid it and just suppress it and be numb. But I think we do suppress, but I think we also default to the one of one of the main uh, acceptable emotions, and that's anger. Right. Anger, always acceptable. We're allowed to fight. We're allowed to flip shit over. I remember in grade school, people were flipping over desks. And um, I think people saw that as just like, you know, that's just a boy being angry. Right. Um, A girl flips over a desk and people are a little more concerned. Right. Um, I'm thinking also about, you know, the effects of telling boys don't cry. And I've, I've mentioned this, uh, you know, a, a couple of times, but let's say we're our seven, eight, nine-year-old selves and we're crying. And someone just says, stop crying. So now two things are happening. Now we're being socialized, we're being programmed to just not cry, to hold that shit in. The second thing is that we do not have the ability to figure out why I'm crying. Like, why are you sad? Because it could be a number of different things. You could be sad because you fell down during tag and everybody laughed at you. So you're crying because of embarrassment. Maybe you're crying because your friends that you usually eat lunch with um, are being lunch with somebody else. So now that's you're crying because of jealousy, maybe. Right. So we at the same time are suppressing the emotion to cry, but also we're not able to figure out what's going on with us. We just we just mad now. Now we're just mad because that's the only thing that's acceptable. So now we have these emotionally stunted boys grow up as men. And trying to be in relationships. (laughs) Friendships, romantic relationships, anything like that. And all we know how to do is be angry or suppress our emotions and go make ourselves feel better in different ways. Does that resonate with anybody? Um, it resonates with me for sure. As y'all were, uh, as you were saying that Marvin, as the rest of y'all was, uh, giving your feedback for me, it, it, it made me think about how we're able, like y'all said, we're able to, it's acceptable to express anger as the default emotion. And I feel as though another default 
uh, emotion that we have. I don't know if to call it emotion, but a default perspective that is like policed and, you know, instilled in us from young boys um, is that provider mindset or, you know, that hold it down. My, like like you said, like um, like uh, Khalif said with his uncle and his dad, you know, he said, oh, like he, you know, kept it to himself. He was a good guy. had no problems with him. Like he held it down. So I feel as though um, from hearing you guys say that it made me, yeah, it made me think about how with the default of showing anger and then with the, like you said, don't cry um, mindset and then it just drilling in, provide, hold it down, provide, hold it down. Just then, you know, um, that's what goes into the part of us when we have that uh, we're defined by what we bring for black men. You know, we're, we're, we're defined by our job. We're defined by what we bring to the uh, to the table. And if we're suffering and we cannot provide, that's when, you know, that shame comes in. That's when that let me recluse into myself and just do, suffer alone. Or as you said, suffer silently because I don't want to, you know, like we said, be vulnerable because I'm supposed to be a provider and always hold it down. Yeah. It's pressure. Such pressure. I'm such a young age. Eric, were you going to say something? Yeah, it feels like the, uh, I was just listening to Joshua talking about that. It feels like the only instincts we're allowed to have is fight or flight. Mm. Like you can be angry or you can say, no, I'm good, but you can't Mm. ever express that in a way to like without being violent or without running away. Um, I think we have to get to a point where we could actually just, if you're acting out in any way, you're obviously you're scared about something or something that's happening is connecting to you in an emotional way. Now we just got to break away from just the two options of fighting or flighting and putting some options in between where people feel that they're comfortable to say, yeah, I'm sad about this. I'm, you know, happy about this without feeling they're going to be ridiculed by people around them. Because ridiculed or disregarded. Sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. I was, I was going to say we, we, a lot of folks do ridicule each other for going through things, especially, you know, a breakup. Right. A breakup. You're you're supposed to be good after. What would people say if you're like crying or depressed? What would other black men say if you're crying, sad, depressed after this breakup? Are you gallery? There's more people out there. The best way to get over somebody is smash somebody else. Yep. (laughs) Under somebody else, sadly. Yeah, but you're still hurting from whatever happened before. Like, that's just temporary relief. But again, isn't that's how people process relief? It's like why the way you should do it is like really focus on dealing with your pain and sadness. But since we don't, we're in a culture where that, that's not prioritized, why well, you should do it? You turn to fucking somebody, you turn to like drinking, you turn to drug, you turn to everything else but the thing that you need to focus on, like those things are styles to like deaden or like make the, make the pain less. They don't, they don't solve it. You need to. So when you're over that feeling and you're done with like having sex, you're back to those feelings. And until you focus, face those feelings, you're going to repeat that cycle over again. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, that's probably what a lot of people cope these days. It's been like that, but always. So. 
Yeah, and I, I'm sorry, go ahead, Josh. Oh, no, I was just going to say to Ryan, um, and that's a prime example of when they say, you know, um, people are running from their demons or, you know, mm-hmm. later on in life when you don't deal with things, eventually it catches up to you. And yeah. I just think of that. I always think of that Solange song, The Cranes in the Sky. Try to smoke it away, try to sex it's, it away, put one in the air, drink it away, all of those things. Um, that's what we, that's what we do is that's what we do to cope, to make ourselves feel better. A lot of the time when you really have to figure out what is the, the root cause, um, uh, why I'm feeling like shit. Those coping methods are emotional responses too, because they, I mean, you feel some type of way when you go out to drink or when you're like having sex with somebody or when you're buying drugs or whatever you're doing, it's an emotional response to you not wanting to get out that other emotion and address it. I mean, exactly what Khalif said earlier. That's it. I feel like that's that flight, right? Because mm-hmm. you're starting to run now. You, even though you feel like you're fighting it or maybe you're coping with it, you're kind of running, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts before we uh, transition? Oh, well, why is it that I guess for black men, maladaptive coping habits so like drugs weed sex alcohol why is that seen as acceptable an acceptable way to cope i would say because any of it is better than what someone put on you um from a toxic standpoint which is to not feel that's a good one i guess is it because it's helping you to like numb your pain your emotions yeah, hope you not feel. <laughs> Just satisfy your pleasure receptors. That's temporary. You, you think about sex and you think about the idea of masculinity. We are supposed to have a lot of sex. So that works for us. Um, when we think about drinking, the more you drink, we're celebrated for that a lot of the time. When we think about weed, um, you know, that's a that's a thing that's can be community, you know, like communal. That's a thing that is pretty much normalized in a lot of our communities. And so if you smoke weed, that's that's normal. Right. And so all of these coping mechanisms, coping skills are acceptable and more acceptable than crying or being emotional or quote unquote acting like a bitch. Right. Like all of those things are will put you in a better light um, than being emotional. And so the question that, you know, I'm always going to ask, and we're not going to get to it this time, um, is how do we change it? Is what do we do to change this? Because we're literally killing ourselves. Quite literally killing ourselves. And we're harming the people in our lives. We're harming Black women. We're harming Black children. We're harming our partners. We're harming Black queer and non-binary folks, trans folks. We're harming all of these groups, all because we cannot be in touch with our emotions. I'm going to give you all a couple of statistics. Um, So Black men compared to white men have 1.6 times a higher risk for cardiovascular disease. 
1.6 times higher. Black adults are 40% more likely than white adults to have high blood pressure. Black adults are 60% more likely to be diagnosed with diabetes. So something that's a lot of folks, you know, some folks do know, some folks don't, but when we hold in these negative emotions, when we feel panicked, when we feel stressed, when we feel overwhelmed, our bodies are working overtime to course correct. When we have anxiety and our heart is beating a little bit faster, that, that's happening every single day, multiple times a day for folks, right? When we are afraid, but we're holding it in. When we're anxious, but we're holding it in, but we're, if we're depressed and we're holding it in, it affects our bodies. Our central nervous system is working overtime. And it shouldn't be working that hard. Our heart should not be beating that much. And so we can talk about uh, uh, the food that we eat, right? We can talk about all these other things, but let's talk about trauma and how it's unaddressed. When we think about suicide, the suicide rate for Black children ages 10 to 19 has risen. 60% over the past two decades, faster than any other ethnic group. And so again, if folks are trying to, or do not want to be here anymore, something is going on, something that they are not expressing, or they're expressing it and no one's listening. And so what we have to do as a community is change. We have to figure out how to support each other. We have to figure out how to see each other as a community, as family, rather than as adversaries. We have to figure out how do we help <laughs> my fellow Black person because the shit ain't good for none of us. And we cannot continue to go on like this. Folks are having heart attacks at 40, 50 years old, black men, dying early because we are not addressing the shit that we need to address. Um, so thank y'all for this conversation. This is just a, 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 a sneak peek of what the rest of, you know, um, our conversations are going to look like. We're going to talk about trauma. We're going to talk about masculinity. We're going to talk about toxic masculinity. We're going to talk about body image. We're going to talk about all of these things that we as Black men feel inside and we hear it in our brains and we think about it, but it never comes out. And so, again, I want to thank you all for joining. Um, it has been a dope conversation, and I look forward to having more and more conversations uh, with y'all moving forward. Um, as we close, any final thoughts? Questions, comments, concerns, anything like that for you? Um, the conversation really made me think of um, a Tupac line that always stood out to me. It, st it stands out to me like when good things are happening. It stands out to me when challenging things are happening. And I think it's really relevant for what we're talking about. If we allow some of these things to stunt us and kill us early, essentially what we're doing is what he says in his line is, my every move is a calculated step to bring me closer 
to embrace an early death and there's nothing left. That's bar right there. Bars. Yeah. That's that's my final thought. That's what it made me think of. Um, I'll just so grateful. Sorry. My bad. Go ahead. I just want to say that um, to anyone that is having problems expressing themselves, your friends that have been around you for a long time, decades, whatever, if they're really your friends, they're going to be more receptive than you think they are because they've seen you at your best. They've seen you at your worst. So just don't be afraid to talk to them. You know, even if they give you some gentle ribbing, just let them know that it's real, like what you're going through. If they've been your homie for that long, they should know when something's bad for you. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> um, but we will talk about that as well in a future episode. Um, thanks, y'all. Have a great night. Thank y'all for being here. And see you next time. All right, y'all. Peace. Everyone take care. Have a good night. Peace. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the episode of Dear Black Man. You good? If you have any suggestions for future topics or questions you want answered on the show, email us at dearblackmanpodcast at gmail.com. That's dearblkmanpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast by hitting that notification button and follow us on Instagram at dearblackman underscore you good. Black men, remember, we see you, we hear you, we love you, we are you. We out.